I'm Jason Ariola. And I'm Dominic Chavis, and this is Rock Out With Your Card Out. covering the Pokemon trading card game. And Dominic, this was your suggestion, so I take it you've got some familiarity with this game in general. Yeah, I played a lot of this game uh, way back in the day, man. I mean, I it's hard for me to remember exactly what happened in the game, <laughs> aside from, you know, the dueling. But, you know, it's a game that I hold dear inside my heart. It's just, it's an incredible game. Really love this game. I really like this game for saving me a small fortune on Pokemon cards because my daughter decided she wanted to get into Pokemon cards and I bought her this on the uh, 3DS Virtual Console and I told her, if you get into this and you finish it, fine, we can start doing this. Uh, And uh, she didn't finish it because she kind of fell off of it and I was like, oh, okay, cool. So (laughs) I spent $6 or whatever it is on the Virtual Console instead of like $50 to $100 just to get her started on that. I was like, okay, that seems to work out better there for me. Yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> it costs a lot of money obtaining Pokemon cards. Uh, yeah, even just buying random packs for them is like, that's no cheap endeavor. So uh, this game uh, definitely holds a little special place in my heart, too, just for that alone. So Yeah, and nowadays, man, it's not even, to me, it's really not even worth it getting these newer packs. It's mm. really about the old generations, you know, like the base set and, you know, and, and your jungle set and everything, but obviously your first editions, but... You know, other than that, these newer cards just, I don't know, man, they, the, the quality of them are fucking horrible. It, it's it, just not even worth it. Hmm. There's a, there's apparently some good money to be had in it. I think the uh, Pokemon, like, World Championship just ended, and I saw, like, um, I think it was, like, Pokemon's, like, Instagram or whatever. They showed the trading card game, the Pokemon tournament, and the, like, actual Pokemon, like, World Champion or whatever. It's kind of cool to see that, but, yeah, it's kind of totally tangential there so whatever yeah some of those competition cards are really cool like your prize cards oh okay Um, i mean those are obviously worth a lot of money because a lot of the time they're either played cards by the actual teams that you receive Mm -hmm. or they're just special edition cards that you'd receive but still they don't compare to you know your first edition charizards you know gem mint tens i mean there's just there's no comparison you know (laughs) Yeah, I think if I remember right, I just heard that, I forget the exact amount, but there was a five in it, I don't know if it was 5,000 or 10,000 or 15,000 or something like that, but it was a multiple of five. A bunch of, like, first-gen, like, um, like mint-condition Pokemon cards just sold for more than a few thousand dollars, so. That makes sense. Um, I, to this day, I don't think anybody has ever even received, or I don't think anybody has a Gem Mint 10 Charizard. That's so hard to come by. I mm. think the highest graded Charizard was a either a nine or a nine point five. Hmm. 
And if you have a 10, you're sitting on a freaking gold mine. Nice, man. Yeah, I, I that was sort of a world I never really got into. So it was just, yeah, it sort of flew over my head. And I knew the Game Boy game existed, but I didn't really ever pick it up. It just was sort of out of my purview. I think we've talked... I think we've talked about this before on this podcast, maybe. If not, um, like basically, like I got obsessed with Pokemon. I played Red Blue uh, by myself with my Game Boy Pocket or my Game Boy Color, I forget. Um, and then I had my old Brick Game Boy, and I would like trade between the two of them basically to get my Pokedex on both of them to 151. Um, and then I played Yellow and Japanese, uh, <laughs> most of it. I, I tried to. I got through like half of it, and I just sort of like, okay, I can't. I'm, yeah. I just hit a like a, like a block that I just couldn't get past. I was like, all right, that's done. And then it came out in America. Played it in English, and then uh, played some Pokemon Stadium and Pokemon Snap. And after that, I fell off the face of the earth for Pokemon until oh, geez, I would say X and Y basically. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, yeah, you missed a lot. Oh, oh boy, did I ever? <laughs> so like like I was telling you a few days ago, man, you got to try a uh, white and black. Excellent games. I've I've got them sitting on my shelf. I've got basically every <laughs> I've got every uh, Pokemon DS um, game and 3DS game now. Um, yeah, both versions. So I've got you know Heart Gold, Soul Silver. I've got Black One, Black Two, Black or you know, Black and White. Jeez, um, Pearl, Diamond, and Platinum. And then I've got you know all or both versions of like the like three, four, four uh, things of uh, 3DS games that came out. So. Wow. I've definitely kind of, I don't know what it is, I, maybe it was Pokemon Go, but uh, like when I went out with my hip surgery, like I, uh, three, about, uh, a little over three and a half years ago now, like I just really got into Pokemon and went for this like living Pokedex thing, so I just like really fell hard into it. A few months ago I reviewed Pokemon Platinum, I, jeez, ah, I'm trying to think, I just finished like Ultra Moon a few months, or maybe about a month and a half ago, two months ago, and I'm kind of plunking my way through Alpha Sapphire right now, it's just a sort of like a... They're sort of nice little, like, go-to games when I don't really want to, like, put myself into something that's going to take up a shit ton of my time. Or I don't have a lot of time, I can just go do a couple battles real quick and just kind of, you know, make some progress and just feel like I did something, basically. Yeah, those are some good games, man. Uh, in fact, uh, I'm a big fan of Omega Ruby. That was an excellent game. I think, uh, in fact, Ruby version is actually my second favorite Pokemon game. Oh, the the original or the remake? Yeah, the original. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm definitely finding some issues. The Oris, uh, Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire games, they feel like in this sort of like weird spot of their remakes. So I get, you know, there's some issues, I guess, with it being an old or based on an older game. And, you know, using the, uh, you know, the, the analog nub, whatever that is on the 3DS to move, never feels quite as precise as I'd like because it still feels like it's based on like grid based movement. You know what I mean? Yeah. And but you know and just having come off of um Ultra Sun playing that and using the 3D thing for that it just like I said the 3D movement in that or in um in Oris just doesn't feel quite right but w whatever. I mean, I guess we should actually talk about Pokémon Training Card game. <laughs> yeah. Hey, back so. to the game man. Uh, earlier today I actually found out they actually released a sequel, but it was only released in Japan in 2001. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, "Oh, I, I, I think I just found that out like two days ago myself." So <laughs> this is uh, this is news to both of us. Yeah, so that's something I'm going to dig into, man. I'm, I, I, you know, I, I'm surprised. I had no idea, and I never bothered to check it out either. I know there's an online one. I don't. I think was translated, but I don't know if it's still functional or what. Like, hmm. what? How you would actually go about playing it? I just was, uh, you know, 
looking for the soundtrack for this and that happened to pop up for that and I was like, oh, that's weird. It's all like or- orchestrated stuff, so it's clearly a little bit more modern than those two, but I I don't know. Like I said, I don't know a damn thing about it beyond the fact that it, it exists in some form or another. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know anything about it. Like I said, I just found out about it a few days ago. Didn't really research it yet, but dude, I'm going to dig into it. Yeah, maybe it'd be a soundtrack we can loop back around to after a while because I gotta say, like, there's I like a lot of music in Pokemon. The only daunting thing is I've wanted to cover like some of the like newer soundtracks or whatever, but you start looking at them and they're gigantic soundtracks. Mm-hmm. It's surprising. <laughs> Very surprising. <laughs> there, uh, granted, there is some issue with, uh, you know, there's just slight remixes basically of like certain trainer battles. Like, you know, it's like, oh, this one sounds a little different here, but it's effectively the same track. So it's just like, how many times can I put the trainer battle or, you know, like a trainer battle track in a soundtrack and talk about it, um, you know, and then some of the stuff is just filler music, but I, yeah, that's neither here nor there. I, one of these days we'll get around to playing a, uh, or, you know, covering a Pokemon game proper. Mm-hmm. So that's something I want to do. But anyway, let's go ahead and get the nitty gritty on this one here. Uh, the composer was Ichiro Shimakura. Shimakura isn't as, let's say, prolific as other well-known composers in the industry, but he's definitely got an impressive catalog of work he can point to. He's worked on nearly every single Mario Party game. Did some work on various entries in the Bomberman series and a game that um, I've only listened to the soundtrack of. That is the start and end of my familiarity with it um, is Tengai Makio Zero. Uh, and I literally only listened to the soundtrack maybe twice. I don't think all the way through. But um, yeah, I, I like that soundtrack from what I recall of it. But beyond that, I... I'm not a big fan of the Mario Party series, but I don't know how much work Shimakura did on the Bomberman games, but they're those are always like kind of fun if kind of throwaway soundtracks if I'm remembering right. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I've never heard of that game. <laughs> <laughs> Which one, the Tengai Makio? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's um it's it is just a obscure not I wouldn't say obscure. It was just a Super Nintendo RPG that never got localized in America, so you know, it completely forgivable. Even if it did get localized, I mean, Tengai Makio Zero, that would not have been something that they would have, um, you know, <laughs> left untranslated. They would have given us something else. It just, it's a hell. It's a <laughs> yeah, that is a that is a Japanese as fuck name, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay, let's go ahead and let's get the show on the road here. So, the first two tracks we're going to be listening to are Title Screen and World Map. So, let's listen to those two, and we'll be right back.
first up was Title Screen. That one is a fairly brief little intro track, but it gives off a good sense of starting something big. I'm not really sure how epic the game itself is, but I like how it sounds. It really gives some credence to the Game Boy being able to give the NES a run for its money when it comes to sound production. It's one that really makes me think of an NES title screen blaring through an old Zenith. The quality goes in before the name goes on. TV. <laughs> My grandma had our NES set up back on, or set up back on in the day there. Jeez. Well, I'd say this is an epic track, man. Uh, the track has a strong intro as well as an outro, and it really doesn't get up, get caught up on any particular section either. Just flows from start to end seamlessly, and it sounds like a track you'd hear in either one of the second gen games. There's some excellent harmonization going on between the lead sections, but I think what stuck out the most were the drumline percussions. As much as the track progresses, uh, the beat never really changes. It just maintains a steady groove. And that's something I like about the Game Boy hardware, too, is just that kind of like scratchy uh, like percussion thing. So, Yeah, I, I, I love it. <laughs> It's, really do. it's weird because you think about it, it's like nothing else percussion-wise really sounds like that except like video game music. So mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just kind of this very like, you point to it, it's like that's a video game track just because of that. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> <sighs> All right, let's go ahead and move on to World Map. And this, again, speaking of things that make me think of the NES, uh, just makes me think of like cartoon platformers from the mid-NES era. I'm not really sure what the vibe Shimakura was going for with this one, but it definitely takes me to that era of video games. I do wonder if it's supposed to invoke some sort of like childhood slash innocence feeling, and that's why it's making me think of that. It just takes me to like that simpler time in my life when I'd be playing those sort of games. The track itself is catchy with just enough range to keep it interesting. It's another pleasant one that doesn't particularly stand out, but it's just a nice sort of laid back track that it's easy to kind of just keep looping. It's one of those like YouTube ones you could listen to on a, like a YouTube thing for like 30 minutes basically and just be like, oh, I'm cool with listening to this over and over without realizing it's been going for a half hour. Well, believe it or not, this happens to be one of my favorite tracks from this title. Oh, cool. I, I just love what kind of rhythm was obtained here. It's extremely peaceful and simply worry-free. I think I like it so much because it reminds me of the two games I grew up playing, Super Mario Bros. 3 and Pokemon Silver. I swear, man, if... Uh, if you were to somehow combine these the, the sounds and rhythms from both of those titles, you'd end up with something like this. Hmm. I am not familiar at all with these Pokemon Silver soundtrack. Like I said, that is, that's an entire generation I skipped completely. I haven't even played <laughs> Heart Gold or Soul Silver, so I you know I don't even have oh, like the sad, remake. Man. I know, I know. They're sitting, on my, they're sitting on my shelf too, man. I really should get around. You know what? What I might do oh. is I should just start like going back and deep diving into like every single Pokemon game from like the D the DS onwards and just like write reviews on them, basically, just to get myself some more familiarity with the series. Yeah, <laughs> you should. They're all really good games. And I've got copies where you know I've got like, um, you know, I would pick them up used when I worked at GameStop, and I would pick up copies that had like you know the basically like the end game unlocked and everything so i could basically just go and like find pokemon that i wanted to catch and just grind them up and then like trade them over or something oh, to nice. that effect you know and just make it a little easier myself to plow through them i've kind of been doing that with oris i've been uh i was i bred some pokemon and then throw them in the pokemon bank and then uh you know start or started off with those so you know i started off with like a tyrant and a piplup and a couple other things too that i wanted to use so hmm. made uh made going through uh, alpha sapphire a lot easier on me so <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a smart thing to do. Very smart, because uh, it could take a long time to obtain certain Pokemon, you know, because you have to progress to certain points. 
Yeah, and plus just having a well-rounded team right from the get-go t- can <laughs> shave off about 10 hours worth of gameplay if you're going oh, for yeah. that. So definitely. <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's go ahead and let's move on to the next two tracks we're going to be listening to today. Uh, first up will be Duel, and then right after that will be Pause Menu. Thank you. 
Alright, first up was Duel. I saw the track title and was sort of immediately surprised at the route this track went down. It doesn't really invoke what I would think of when I think of like a card duel. I guess that comes from my buddy Chris forcing me to watch Yu-Gi-Oh! back in the day and how overly dramatic that shit was. Um, about a minute and 15 into this one, we get a little bit of like change in tones to keep things interesting. I appreciate that because I was starting to worry about the track being nothing but that real basic loop throughout. So having something to just kind of keep it interesting and change up the sound kept me from, we'll say, basically ultimately cutting this track. <laughs> Well, I'm totally digging the lows in here. The track starts off strong with the lows pumping out the beat, almost like the lows are making space for the lead section. The lead does a great job holding its position between the percussions and the bass, eventually developing a partner to harmonize with. But this time, the part that joins the main line was set at a lower key, adding some interesting flavor to the mix. Like I said, there's a lot of play with the bass tones. The track eventually picks up with a different rhythm towards the end of the loop, which was great. Very catchy stuff, but... As I've mentioned before, the track focuses on the lower tones, which is what really caught my attention. Overall, this soundtrack so far has been kind of a bit of a surprise for me. Like, I have no familiarity with this game, with the soundtrack at all. So it's kind of cool, like, getting something that you're far more into than me. Or not far more into, but just more familiar with than me. Because for the most part, like, I've done most of the selection for this shit. So it's kind of nice getting, like, something that <laughs> you are, uh, let's say, far more familiar with than I am. <laughs> And of course, it'd be a Pokemon game. <laughs> Why the fuck wouldn't it be, man? Uh, let's see. Let's let's go ahead and let's move on to the pause menu. And uh, let me just say, I wouldn't think I'd really dig music from a pause menu in anything, but this is something I can get behind. The higher tones in it remind me of Link picking up a piece of power or Guardian Acorn in Link's Awakening. I'm not really sure what the point of putting such a fun, up-tempo jam in for a pause menu is, but I totally appreciate this track. It's short, but sweet. Yeah. This track definitely has a ton of potential. It's uh, actually surprising to me that this track was used for the pause menu. Sort of reminds me of a rhythm you'd hear in, you know, like a Kirby game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's catchy. Very catchy. I, I dig it. I wish it were a little bit longer, but hey, it is what it is. It's great for a pause menu uh, track. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I guess you can't really make a you know, a track for a pause menu that's going to be fleshed out to like, you know, four minutes or, you know, some four minutes sweeping epic or something. It's like, this is fine, you know? Yeah, don't want to take away from the gameplay. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, like, how many games, like, actually have a pause menu song to begin with? So, I mean, I guess I can just appreciate that. Yeah, normally they just either cut the sound altogether or they just keep whatever's going on in the background looping anyway, you know? That's very true. It's (laughs) kind of cool getting something unique in there, so... Anyway, let's go ahead and let's move on to the next two tracks. The next two tracks we're going to be covering are Rock, Water, and Psychic Club, and following that is Fighting, Science, and Fire Club. Boy, oh boy, I, I really hate these long titles, because just every time I start reading them, I'm like, am I going to say this correctly without stumbling all over the fucking thing? It's like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. That's pretty much how I feel every time I see something more than like two words. I'm like, shit. <laughs> anyway, let's go ahead and let's listen to those two, and we'll be right back. Thank you. 
first up was Rock, Water, and Psychic Club. This one has a bit more of a melancholy sound to it than anything else we've listened to so far. It would be a real downer to listen to, but there's something underlying in it that it keeps it from feeling completely morose. I can't quite put my finger on it, but whatever it is keeps me from thinking that this club is a bunch of sad loners, basically. <laughs> <laughs> like a bunch of lonely, desperate bastards. Yeah, exactly. Like they fit in perfectly <laughs> on this podcast, a bunch of losers. <laughs> I like the track, but it's probably my least favorite on the list. It's just way too slow for me. Mm -hmm. It's it's a very tiring track. Well, I, guys, that's it for this podcast. <laughs> We've uh, so so Rockwater and Psychic Club has officially ended. Rock out with your card out. Um, sorry, guys. Thanks for backing <laughs> us. We appreciate all the support over the uh, months, and I guess we won't talk to you again. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna go for dead air, just leave it, leave it hanging in silence there. But yeah, nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna buy that. We're giving up after one track here. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's go ahead and let's move on to something a little bit more, let's say, up tempo. Uh, is fighting science and fire club, and hopefully, Dominic, I'm bringing you back with this one. <laughs> you are actually good. Good. All right, now this one is an entirely different story from the Rockwater and Psychic Club. From the start, it gives you a little bit more of a sense of intimidation. 20 seconds in, it does this thing that almost sounds like the Halloween theme in some sections. It's maybe not a strong nod to it, but it makes me feel like you're supposed to be intimidated by this club. So if that was the idea, then Shimakura nailed it fairly well. You know, at first, I had a really hard time accepting the intro. But the more I listened to it, I really started liking it. It's, it's a very strong intro. I totally see where this one was going. You have a strong intro and a beat for the fighting type. Little bleeps and bloops for the science or, or psychic type, and the unexpected waves for the fire types. It's genius, really, man. Uh, it's a sophisticated track. Oh, man, I never really I actually thought about breaking it down like that. That's a kind of a cool perspective on it. It's interesting. You know, like I said, the intro threw me off. I never really dissected it because of the intro, but, mm -hmm. you know, listening back to it, I found out a lot of stuff about this track. It is interesting, man. It's genius. You know what? I am going to have to go back and listen to it a little bit more closely now. I'm, uh, you've definitely sold me on that one, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great track. Speaking of great track, let's go ahead and move on to what is my favorite in this one, and that is Clubmaster Duel. And following that, we will listen to Ronald's theme. So let's listen to those two and be right back.
Alright, so there's Clubmaster Duel. Out of everything we listened to on this OST this week, this is my favorite. It's got a great soaring vibe to it. It really adds a feeling of import to whatever is going on when this plays. 45 seconds in, it throws a real subtle little nod to the title theme from Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow. I'll go ahead and insert that part right here. See, it's really easy to miss that, and it's a part of the song that only plays for maybe 5 seconds in the original, but I thought it was a nice little nod to it. Maybe too slight of a nod though, as Dominic and I were going nuts trying to figure out what the or what track that part was from. There's a lot of variety and a good beat throughout this one, it makes it an easy favorite for me. You know, this track does get the blood pump in. I've always loved how the track starts off with the shuffle beat. That seriously gets the track moving, then that lead kicks in. Feels like you're battling Lance for the first time. I just love it. Yeah. At the 58 second mark, the track changes completely, adding some tasty ass flavor to the mix. That's actually my favorite part, and uh, it stays true to the original rhythm. I know I've told you this was my favorite track before we got to this podcast, but mm. I've developed a lot of respect for the Fighting Science and Fire Club track. Honestly, there's really no way I can decide between them. I like them both a lot. So let's just go ahead and say these two tracks between the two of them. We we, uh, we sandwiched your two together, basically. There we go. <laughs> Entirely planned on my part is what I'd like to say, but it wasn't just quite accidental. <laughs> so... <laughs> But yeah, ultimately, like, I love this one. Like, when you pointed it out to me, I was like, oh, man, this is really good. And the more I listened to the rest of the soundtrack, I was like, oh, yeah, this is my favorite. Um, And, man, what was it? A good 10, 15 minutes you and I spent the other night, like, just trying to, like, pin down what the <laughs> hell that part was. And it wasn't until we listened to the theme long enough that it hit that part that it was like, oh, that's what it is. Yeah, it took us a while, man. I'm surprised you actually uh, stumbled across the actual menu theme to one of the older games and decided to pull that up to listen to it that was the only thing i could think of um like i said i guess sort of going back to what we were talking about when when we like first started uh the podcast here was my familiarity with the game boy or with the pokemon it like kind of started and ended with um the game boy you know the original generation game boy games and from there I didn't touch basically anything until Pokemon Diamond, and I sort of bounced off that pretty quick. So I knew it had to be something from that first generation of games because there was no way that was from Diamond because this <laughs> came out, you know, well before that did. <laughs> so I was yeah, like, I was like, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead, dude. No. No, I was like, uh, hey, it's probably off of Silver, man. We should check out the Silver soundtrack. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. You've never played it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's no way I was hearing that without. Or, you know, like like I said, it was invoking something. And then I was thinking, like, oh, I guarantee you it was because I would, like, leave my Game Boy, or I'd start up the Game Boy, throw it on the bed or something, and let it run, and that sound, or, you know, that, like, title theme would play long enough that I'd be like, oh, okay, that's what it's from. And it stuck somewhere in my head that I could place it. But other than that, like I said, it's... I am amazed I pulled that one, honestly. I was like, oh, God, it's like there's something there. And it, like I said, it is literally just, like, a few notes that it's kind of borrowing from. And just the way it scales, the... It, it just, yeah... I, sometimes I worry about what the hell gets retained in my brain and what doesn't. And that is one of those things like, why did that get stuck in there somewhere? I just, Oh Jesus got stuck in there for this podcast. Oh, there we go. Now I don't, I really am worried about what, like what kind of important information uh, has fallen out of my brain because of that. I kind of feel like um, there's a scene in married with children where Kelly Bundy is like doing a, a bunch of studying for a test. And there is stuff of like, 
all this like studying information going into her brain and stuff going out of her brain and like one of them was like buck the dog the original one that died in like i forget like what season it was but it's like the memory of that dog like fell out of her head basically so i do worry that i'm at that kind of boiling point with my brain on how much can hold and what i'm losing as i'm retaining some of this musical stuff Uh, i don't know what to tell you there (laughs) yeah i'm a little scared for my old man brain here but good luck uh what who are you again (laughs) anyway what am i doing all right let's go ahead and let's move on to ronald's theme here um there's not a whole lot to this one but i thought it was a fun track to point out it's got a real quirky sound to it with some fast percussion going on it's a little hard to pin down the particulars about this thing but i rather enjoy it it's just a nice breezy listen yeah it's it's really hard to pick this one apart just a fun listen like you said it has some catchy ass leads too yeah completely agree with you on that it's like i said it's one of those that i knew you and i weren't going to have a whole lot to talk about unless you pulled like some like miracle out of your hat on this one it was like just like oh well actually you did it sort of like you did with the um uh the fighting science and fire club there <laughs> like that completely well, took me off guard or ca- caught me off guard man <laughs> i probably would have but uh i was running out of time there we go fair <laughs> so enough fair enough right enough you know, only uh, only so so many miracles per podcast. I, I think the I think the fi- fighting science and fire club was a good one there. <laughs> so, but yeah, this is another one where I felt like we might not have much to say about it, but I thought it was worth throwing in just because it's kind of fun to listen to. Yeah, it's a good listen. So, all right, let's go ahead and let's move on to the uh, next two tracks here. We're going to be listening to Pokemon Dome and Grandmaster Duel. So, listen to those and be right back.
first up was Pokemon Dome. I love how triumphant this one sounds. It's got a cool sound to it. I wish the percussion was just a hair more quiet though, it comes through a little too strongly for my taste. Save for that though, I dig everything in this track. It really gives off a vibe of having been through the trenches and coming to the final challenge ready for just about anything. Yeah, this track is extremely triumphant, and some of those lead sections are just blazing fast. They're incredible. It really lets you know you better have your deck straight. Be prepared for that Grandmaster Duel. <laughs> and uh, kind of speaking of that, let's go ahead and talk about Grandmaster Duel. <laughs> this is a pretty cool one. It evokes a lot of feeling of really needing me at the top of your game after we just had that triumphant march that was the Pokemon Dome. About a minute and 44, 45 in, it goes through this breakdown that just gets really intense. The percussion picks up a bit and the tones change, really adding to that vibe of you facing your toughest challenge yet. It's a track with a surprising amount of layers to it. Normally for this sort of thing, I would expect something a bit more in your face, you know, something that would <clears throat> slap you in the face a little bit more. But this does a nice job of balancing that and just a feeling of high tension in parts. Well, in my opinion... This point in the game, well, the Clubmaster Dolt track should have been used here. I've never cared for this track. To me, it's just bad placement. The track doesn't deserve this damn position. Hmm, okay. <laughs> Not saying it's bad. I, I'm just saying the track would have sat better with a lesser section in the game, like uh, Ronald's theme or something. <laughs> you know what? I see where you're coming from. I, I would imagine if you had flip-flopped like this to, this and Clubmaster Duel... They probably would have, like, been a little bit more, like, they would have felt a little bit better in the soundtrack overall. Because I would imagine, like, you know, the Clubmaster Duel is sort of the equivalent of fighting the gym leaders, and then the Grandmaster Duel is effectively, like, fighting the Elite Four. So maybe the more intense sound of the Clubmaster Duel, I think, would have been better placed for the Grandmaster Duel. I still like this one. It's just, like I said, me. it might be me reading too much into it and having no familiarity with the game at all that I'm throwing the Pokemon Dome theme and then running it in my head with the Grandmaster Duel. You know what I mean? Hmm, yeah. You know, like you said, it's it's a good track. It, You know, I just, I guess it's just not my taste. I think there should be something that gets the adrenaline flowing over this section of the game. Yeah, I can see that. And maybe this gets uh, maybe this gets you going. Maybe this, you know, people that have actually played this game, maybe this is the track that should be here. It's just my taste, you know? Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. Like I said, for me, it's... I, I, like I said, I have no familiarity with it, so I can't really talk about its placement too much. It just, with the lead-in of Pokemon Dome to this, it felt like it was a little little bit smoother of a transition, maybe, than you, were th than you think it is. Uh, but... I kind of agree with you where I think Clubmaster Duel would probably be a little bit better placed here and having Grandmaster Duel in place of the Clubmaster Duel as far as, you know, events in the game, basically. I think flip-flopping those two probably would have done a little bit more. At the same time, I don't know if Grandmaster Duel kind of stands on its own without that Pokemon Dome sort of lead-in track to it. So, hmm. I don't know. Yeah. That's a good point because it. I did listen to the Grandmaster Duel a while after I listened to the Pokemon Dome. So I didn't catch, you know, how it would flow into it. That could just be it. Yeah, it might entirely be it. I mean, you know, sometimes, um, like, you know, at just any musical album, like, you listen to, like, placement of tracks, and they sort of, there's almost a story to be told, even if they're not really doing that, in just, like, taking you places emotionally, and just different sounds that, the uh, you know, the artist is trying to invoke, basically. So maybe that's kind of what was going on here, and listening to it out of order maybe have, would have done that for you. Uh, you know, when we're 
you know, when this episode goes up, you know, maybe listening back to it will change your mind a little bit. But again, <laughs> this could just be entirely me reading into something that isn't there. <laughs> Or I could just, it's just me being a cynical piece of shit. <laughs> hey, you know, maybe it's a little from column A and a little from column B. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and let's wrap up the show here. We're going to listen to ending and I guess end the podcast with that one. So, and not, not, not totally. I know we said earlier that was going to be the end of the podcast, but uh, yeah, we were, we were entirely joking about that. So. <laughs> anyway, let's go ahead and listen to en- the ending theme and we'll be right back.
Alright, so that was the ending theme, and I can almost see credits scrolling through as we get a bunch of like montage cuts to the rivals you've taken down along the way. I've always dug these tracks that feel, for want of a better word, and I can't think of anything more succinct to describe it than rewarding. It's been a journey through the soundtrack, and this was kind of a nice one to go out on. I agree, man. Uh, what a well-placed track. <laughs> see, this one makes all the sense in the world to be here. I remember getting to this point in the game, and uh, it was really an intense journey. And I did shut it off feeling a bit sad, but I really like the game and the music, including Grandmaster Duel. You know, it's, it is one of a kind, and I think I am going to go back and actually play into the Grandmaster Duel so I can see how it flows into it. I'm extremely interested now. But overall, this game, this OST is just excellent. It's uh, very surprising. I forgot how good it was. Yeah, and for me, this is great because I, I had no familiarity with this at all. So it was really nice coming to something with, like, I don't want to say zero expectations on my part, but just I just no knowledge at all about the soundtrack. So this was really cool coming into something that I had nothing, nothing uh, as far as, like, memories to go back to on it. So just taking a game soundtrack on its own and breaking it down like this has been a lot of fun for me. So I appreciate that you brought this up because, again... I had never heard this thing, and I don't know that I would have ever like really gone out of my way to listen to this one on its own. Yeah, it's a very fun OST, and for the most part, exciting. I'm very glad we covered it, and if I had to rate it, I'd give it a solid eight, solid eight out of ten. There we go. Yeah, like I said, I was I was really surprised how fun it was. Um, ultimately, I don't feel like it's gonna knock your socks off, for, like personally, but the quality level of it was like almost unnecessarily high for what the game was. Ichiro Shimakura put some quality stuff into what could have been either a completely forgettable soundtrack or one that leaned really heavily on the themes from the main series and only doing like very, as we, you know, I, I spliced in there in like the second or third segment, um, you know, very, very subtle homage to something from the, you know, the main series. I, I really feel Shimakura did a really good job of making this soundtrack his own and giving it its own thing. I guess any video game soundtrack could be a disaster when you really boil down to it, and you know. But this is one that this could have just been a completely throwaway thing. It would have been fine, no big deal. But there's a lot of cool stuff in this, and this I think is going, or a few of these tracks definitely are going into like my writing kind of um, music playlist. This is stuff I can come to and listen to, and not like get too too heavy into where it distracts my brain from writing it there's a lot of like cool especially that pause menu thing like just a lot of like cool kind of chill stuff to listen to that can kind of keep the creative juices flowing if i'm trying to write something yeah oh definitely it's definitely um a lot of these tracks are i like to call them thinking tracks <laughs> throw them on and just start thinking there want to write go. something start writing <laughs> sounds like a but good it, way of putting it there <laughs> fill space gives you some sound yeah Alright, so that will wrap up this episode of Rock Out With Your Card Out. As always, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash gamesandjunk. Uh, $5 a month will get you this show in a higher quality bit rate, which you definitely want because, you know, all the music's going to sound better for you. It will get you our bonus episodes, and we are on three of those. A whopping three, and two of those are exclusive to the thing. So, uh, yeah, the library is going to continue to grow, of course. But uh, we've had a lot of fun doing that. The most recent thing we've done has been, like, a deep dive on the boy who had wings 
ultimately, I think that could have been a whole episode, uh, but uh, I didn't really think about that originally <laughs> until we started looking at how many different versions there are, and I went insane pulling every single iteration of that song I could find, but anyway. Um, <laughs> we've also got an ongoing project, we'll say, called The Walter Murphy Files, where we look into people uh, who have, let's say, um, <clears throat> been heavily inspired by other video game or by other music. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, not calling people out a little bit, but just kind of like, hey, 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 did you know this sounds way, way too similar to this? So, <laughs> unfortunately, Dominic and I are finding more and more like, oh, God, there is a lot of borrowing in some of this stuff here. So I'm hoping we don't cover stuff that uh, ultimately we're going to go back to them. Uh, Walter Murphy Files episode and be like, hey, guess what? Uh, we're sorry we said this cool, this thing was cool and the composer <laughs> did some good stuff because uh, they kind of didn't. They did some not cool stuff and really ripped off heavily. Girl <laughs> thanks. Uh, <laughs> all right, and aside from all of that stuff, um, you can find us on Twitter at Rowico Podcast. That is R-O-W-Y-C-O Podcast. You can follow me at Jason Ariola and you can follow Dominic at Dominant Shred. All right, and other than that, I think that will wrap up this show. So next episode, we have got something a little special to coincide with um, something that's going to happen. Uh, if you look at the two Thursdays from now and think huge, huge zeitgeist in, in, in the U.S. anyway, what's going to happen, you'll probably be able to figure it out. And I'm going to throw a track in, as I usually do. Um, if you're familiar with the game, you'll instantly, instantly recognize this one. But this is going to be one of those ones that uh, I think might be the first time we've ever like really like hey you probably can figure out what our next episode is going to be <laughs> <laughs> it should be glaringly obvious when you look at the the release date for that one and what we're covering so like i said they go hand in hand and yeah but anyway uh, that will wrap up this episode of rocket with your card out um again from both of us i want to say thank you for listening so we will talk to you guys in two weeks and patreon backers i guess we'll talk to you next week with some more the boy who had wings I am so, so sorry that is taking up two episodes. <laughs> as much as I love that song, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs>